All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Hey, welcome to episode 53 of Front Seat Gamer. I'm Nick. Hey, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Severn. I'm here with Severn. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm also here with Blake. Hey, Nick. No guests this week, but I'm back, so man, no guests It's needed. tough without you, man. It's tough. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, you're Hosting is tough. Hosting Blake, is tough. Blake will not host ever again. I'll never host ever again, so listeners can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good news for the, for listeners there. I haven't... I didn't listen to it, but... Um, you know, good, you know good what? for you. If uh, email us what you thought about the last episode and whether or not we should uh, sacrifice Blake in an altar for a new a new host, uh, you can email us at frontseatquestions at gmail dot com or uh, kill Blake at fr- gmail dot com. Whoa, new new email address. Jesus, <laughs> That's, man. Um, how you guys doing? Good, Good man, dude. How was the trip? Uh, it was fun. It was busy being on the I other side. Um, no, yeah, I got sick all over there. Well, was it a uh... What kind of sick? Was like, not... Just like a cold or something. Oh, like, that. Okay. like flu oh. or something. Uh, I probably spread it to a bunch of game journalists. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Put them in their place. <laughs> yeah. Screw those guys. <laughs> with their coverage of our game. Lovely people. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah. We did. We, we announced the thing. We announced the Fall of Oriath. Mm-hmm. So in case you missed it, and I don't know how you would have missed it, but also have been a fan of this podcast. Um We've announced our uh, upcoming big expansion, uh, Fall of Oriath. When I say big, I really mean big. It's gigantic. It's six acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I went overseas to show it off to the journalists. Um, those who were familiar with the game were extremely impressed. That's cool. Uh, those who were not so familiar with the game uh, were just they sort of they understood it yeah that was that's about as much as you can hope for i think were they like so this is like diablo yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. yeah um it's interesting that like how how much your frame of reference changes how how you perceive these sorts of things mm-hmm. if you're familiar with uh path of exile and it's it's ilk um and someone says and we're adding another six acts it's like what yeah. Uh, and if you're not, it's just like, oh, so it's an expansion. If you don't know what an act <laughs> if you don't have a general idea of how long an act is in most of these kind of games, you're right. just like, okay. Well, even if you do have an idea of how long an act is, you may not. like You understand that it's portions of content, mm. and games add portions of content all the time. And six on top mm. of four sounds like a lot, but really you don't you haven't played it, so you don't really understand mm. like what, what that means for the game. And, well, I, I guess especially because like uh, even games like Diablo... They generally just release one act at a time. Like, here's an expansion yeah. of one act. Yeah. Um, even, like, Titan Quest did that. Mm. They added one extra act at the end. Mm. And that's what we were doing for yep. the longest time. Yeah. We added Act 3 and then Act 4. Yep. And then we were working on Act 5. And then we decided to work on Act 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. No reason well. to not do it. Right? It's not like it's going to take you just press tons the and tons of effort. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Press the Act button. Yeah. Five more times, yeah, and done. Uh, so, how are you guys going? Good, 
good. Um, well, I kind of want to hear more about what happened in America or anything, all right. anything um, else. Like, well, okay, the major points for me was I got to eat uh, a clam chowder bread bowl at, at Boudin Bakery in San Francisco, which is something I missed. It's a uh, picture, delicious sourdough, big, big lump of sourdough bread, and they hollow it out, and they fill it with clam chowder, and they give you the bread that they hollowed out, and you get to dip it in the clam Ooh. chowder and eat it. And then you eat the bread bowl as well. Oh, wow. You eat the bowl. So they must toast it, right? No. No? Oh, no. it's so, just soggy. Wait, <laughs> soggy. No, sourdough is not soggy. It's like quite structurally no, sound. No, sorry, with the chowder inside. Does it, do you get seepage? No. It's, okay. uh, the, the sourdough has quite a, a nice crusty crust to it. Mm. And, and on top of that, like the bread itself, is the, the dough itself is kind of thick. Okay. Um, so it's it's got a bit of a chew to it. You know that nice chewy sourdough bread? You crunch into the into this outside, and the inside's got some like sponginess to it. Mm. Oh, it's so good! And just it was that. <laughs> and it's also their clam chowder is really really good. So yeah, if you could see Nick oh. right now describing it. <laughs> oh man, I want so much of it. <laughs> yeah, I just had lunch, and I just want so much bread bowl right now. Have you have you uh, e- email us a bread bowl, uh, friend <laughs> seat bread bowl at gmail <laughs> Do you know of any other place that does a bread bowl like in Auckland here in New um, Zealand? I think that there I are, can go to. There are places you can get bread bowls here, but like I've never had one as good as the ones I had in San Francisco. Right, home of the bread bowl. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, but not just that, but home of the clam chowder bread bowl right. from Boudin. Like if you if you know anybody who's ever been to San Francisco for any long period of time, they'll probably be familiar with that mm. as like a thing that you do when you're in San Francisco. Damn. So good. Um, how how did it feel to be back? In, in your old stomping ground. It was it was kind of strange. We weren't staring in like the nicest. I mean, San Francisco is an interesting city because like you can be in the nicest neighborhood in the city and you're still like a block or two away from the worst neighborhood in the city. Oh, wow. You know, it's like it's the the super high income areas are very, very tightly packed next to this super low income areas. Mm. So it, it's, it's like the classic like wrong side of the tracks. Like this side of the tracks is nice. But just over there, it's like right. terrible. Yeah, but and, and and then like a bit further, it's nice again, and a bit further again, it's it's terrible again. Oh, you know, weird. It, it's really like, um, so intermingled. Yeah, uh, it's such a dense city, and that, um, and on top of that, the fact that it's like one of the highest income areas in the world, but also has one of the hi- highest like homeless populations. Oh, really? So it's like you really get both sides mm. in such close proximity. Mm. And also if you're homeless, um, living in a city with a high income is, is a fairly okay way to, I mean, you know, obviously it sucks to be homeless, but mm. people have a little more money to spare potentially. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco being a very um, uh, liberal city also has pretty good uh, uh, social services, mm. like lots of homeless outreach programs and stuff. Mm. So, it's just you get a, a very strange mix of of the ultra wealthy and the ultra poor. Um, it doesn't. So, it does. It's warm there, right? No, is it? <laughs> it's it's it doesn't snow. No, it doesn't snow. Uh, but we were over there in, in winter. Yeah, and it, uh, it it used to be kind of droughty over there. But when it's not droughty, there's like right around the time that we went over there, there's like a few usually a few weeks of rain, and so it was raining hmm. most of the time we were there. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, did you take, because uh, you went with... Um, with Chris and Jonathan. Chris and Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, did you show them around anywhere? Did you say, you have to go to this place? You have to go to the um, bread bowl place? You got to have not, a bread bowl? Not really. I mean, they've been there quite a lot as well. Like, 
I, they didn't live there, but they go there, you know, a couple times a year. And right. For every, and they've been doing that for a few years. Um, like, and they go to GDC and they do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're familiar to some extent with, with big parts of the city. Um, I was, it was weird for me because I hadn't been, they, they, they've been there kind of regularly for the like five, six years, whatever it is. I hadn't been there in five years mm. at all. So I was just noticing some of the differences. That, right. You know, um, it's gotten even more starkly contrasted than it, than it used to be. Like the, when I was living there, there was like this intermingling of the wealthy and, and the extremely poor, mm-hmm. but it's, it's gotten worse. Hmm. I saw it felt like there were more homeless people and people living living on the poverty line and more ultra rich like beautiful Tesla driving car type people like software of engineers and like so it was just um gotten more polarized. Hmm. Uh, I also didn't get to go to the restaurant I wanted to go because it was kind of on the other side of the city. I wanted to go to this place called HRD. Okay. If you live in San Francisco, check out HRD. I think it's like on third. It's uh, at least when I lived there, it was like a, a hybrid Korean, Chinese, American, Mexican diner. Oh man! Place. And they do these like gigantic. Well, at least when I was there, they did these huge kimchi burritos. <laughs> so like picture burrito filled with uh, kimchi fried rice and and uh, spicy pork. And uh, sour cream and kiwi salsa. Holy crap. The biggest burrito you've ever seen for like six bucks. It, wow. It's, okay. it's ridiculous. They were on a show called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Yeah. Um, when I when I lived there, I was a regular, and they, they learned my name and they learned my orders. Oh, man. What and was then, your order? What was your order? It was either the, the burrito or like the bibimbap or um, the Mongolian cheesesteak. Jesus it's, Christ. Yeah. This place. Yeah. So, it's so good. And um, – and I would go there like multiple times a week for months and months. And then they went on the show called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, which is um, Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah. Bleach-haired. Um, he goes around to these places and he, he showcases like a couple of the dishes and talks about how good it is or whatever. Um, and they invited me to come over to be one of the people he interviews. Oh, man. And I, I don't remember why, but I, I just couldn't go in that day. or I, I chose not to or whatever it was. And I didn't go. And then like – I asked how it went. Like, yeah, it went good. It went good. And then we didn't know when they were going to air it until we went in like on a Monday and the line to the place was like around the corner. Uh, yeah. And we had to wait for like 45 minutes. And uh, we're like, okay, they, they were on on the weekend. <laughs> and, and ever since then, it's been crazy there. Wow. Yeah. So they they got famous sort of. And um, That's want, cool. That sounds like a hell of a place. Yeah, it was awesome. I love HRD. Um. And I got some good Mexican. That was the other thing I was dying dying for was just some good Mexican food. You can't get good Mexican. You don't, you don't like here. Mexican here? No. No, I don't. What's your problem with the Mexican food here? <laughs> it's not. It's like. It's not real Mexican. It's, it's like Taco Bell <laughs> Mexican. Is about. It's like uh, the best Mexican you can get here is like bad Chipotle Mexican in the U.S. We had a place here that I really like called California Burrito. Uh-huh. Oh man, that was my favorite place for ages, but they ended up shutting down because there was like a massive dispute between the two owners. Oh man, was it? They they did. Oh man, they did this one that was like a KG burrito that was like a challenge. Like if you could eat it, you got I I guess a free one or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you wouldn't want to eat it because you just ate a kg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you win a free kg burrito. And you're like, oh. Yay. <laughs> um, no, if you, if, have you ever tried Mexican in the U.S.? I've never been to the U.S. I'm just going to let that hang there for a second. Yeah. Just, I've barely should, left uh, New Zealand. I reckon you should go to the U.S., go to either like San Francisco right. or, or L.A. I, mean, I don't love L.A. In fact, I kind of hate L.A., but they do have good Mexican there. Hmm. San Diego has good Mexican as well. Yeah. Okay. If Once you've had like Mexican made by people who were raised in Mexico mm. <laughs> and you, yeah, you're I mean, like, that, oh, wow. Okay. That's the thing. Like the Mexican, pla- <laughs> the Mexican really places here, really they're good. All, Mexican places here are all like university students just, you know, from like Hamilton. Yeah. They looked up a recipe online yeah. on how to make a Tex-Mex burrito. And yeah. Yeah. They started a restaurant. That's basically nobody, what nobody grew up with the recipes or anything no. like that. You don't, you don't get like proper refried beans. You don't get red sauce. You don't get all of like mole, for example, it's just something you never see here. What is that? Mole is, um, like a sauce based on chocolate, basically. They make chocolate, but they make savory chocolate. And then they use that as like the sauce or the okay. seasoning. Um, and so it's, it's it's just got a very interesting Is that for flavor. like a dessert burrito? No, it's savory. It's like it's like savory chocolate. It's hard to explain. <laughs> they, use, they basically use cocoa to make a savory sauce. Okay. And um, It's very confusing. Yeah, but it's really good. Just got a very, very rich flavor. Hmm. Oh man! <laughs> I just had lunch. You just, want, want, to, you just oh. want to talk about the food this, you ate there? Can we call for like this frenzy eater? Frenzy <laughs> eater. Um, I, uh, yeah. So that, that was my. That was those were the exciting things for me. Obviously, showing off the content was fun, hmm. but um, man, <laughs> but the food. <laughs> I just I just missed Mexican food so bad. Right. Oh, um, and I caught up with my friend Anthony. Mm-hmm. That was fun. He runs. A, he, he's on a different podcast. Slightly more popular than ours. You may have heard of it. It's called Rub Left Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he actually called you out by name. Yeah, yeah. He was when? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet up with. They actually talked about Path of Exile for a little bit. Oh, neat. Um, this was after the whole Xbox thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, there was some interesting conversation there. He's he's. It's interesting. He's. I mean, he's probably one of my best friends, and he works for a competitor of ours. Hmm. And so, um, we were talking about like. You know, talk, talking about about the sort of work we do because mm. you know we're both game designers and um, we don't we don't really talk about like stuff we're you know we're working on specifically. We don't we don't talk about specifics because you know NDAs and stuff. We we just can't and we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting when when he's on like that podcast, for example, he feels a bit weird about talking about our game, okay? Because he works for a competitor mm. and he he doesn't use that platform. To like, he doesn't often get people from his work on to talk about and the game he works on. What is the game he works on? A Marvel, Marvel Heroes. So uh, he he doesn't he has to avoid like that sort of conflict of interest there. Which is interesting to me. Yeah, do you know about Marvel? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, isn't that David Breverick? Yeah, he, yeah. he left. Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. I, mm. I didn't know he talked about us. It's neat. Yeah, it was it was cool. Did he? He should have been like. And by the way, listen to Frenzy Gamer. I don't think he's everyone. <laughs> I don't think he even knows this exists. Um, anyway. Also, a competitor on being on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I keep telling him he should he should visit New Zealand because I think he'd really like it here. Anthony? Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. 
just load up on Mexican food before. Yes. You won't or just like food. put some in a styrofoam container and bring it <laughs> or over. Or in your pocket. Yeah. You get some guac in po- your pocket. Pocket guac. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I caught up with him and, and visited my dad as well because he lives in LA. That's cool. That was basically it. And we talked about, and we, and we, we just, you know, promoted the game and, and the new content and stuff. What'd you guys do? That's cool. We actually did some press stuff too. Oh, yeah. We, we went out to an Xbox oh. thing. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> you know, because we're big time Xbox Yeah, we're, we're big now. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, we were um, invited. Halo Wars 2 is coming out. Have oh, you heard yeah, of this yeah, game? yeah. I think, um, I think that Chris and Jonathan mentioned that there was something about that. It was pretty yeah. pretty funny. But, uh, fun? yeah, we, we actually, like, the thing is, like, uh, there was a general invite to all of... Uh, Grinding Gear games, mm-hmm. yeah. But there was also a specific invite for uh, for Path of Exile, uh, for uh, not Path of Exile, sorry, Backseat Gamer, <laughs> Backseat Gamer. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, we got emailed uh, by uh, Stephen Knightley, the guy that was organizing it. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, asking us to come for the podcast. Never like, told yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, where were you? Where you've been? When was this? Uh, this this was when was this? It was Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the country. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure. I didn't. I yeah. stayed home because I was sick. Right. But, um, right. That's fine. It's pretty good. No worries. Man. I'm not offended or anything, Blake. You son of a bitch. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> this is why I don't invite you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was telling Blake yesterday. Yeah, dude, I was. Uh, I I liked it, but uh, I'm really surprised that you liked it so much. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I hadn't played a game like that. Mm. I never played the first one. Um, so do we, do we want to talk about what it actually is? Like Halo Wars? Yeah, yeah. Like a strategy game with a controller? It's a console yeah. RTS, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Halo Wars 1 um, was sort of uh, middlingly received as from what I remember. People, people liked it. They weren't blown away by it. I think the, the best thing I heard about it was that um, it did uh, the controller uh, controls like pretty well mm. for a for like that's a tricky thing to try yes. and get a rts on a with a controller and I, they did a pretty good job apparently i never got to play it i did play there was a, a a tactics game called world in conflict oh yeah i Does remember that, that sound game. familiar yeah yeah um it was made by uh massively yeah massively massively oh okay <laughs> m-a-s-s-i-v-e mm-hmm. or maybe it was massive entertainment maybe it's massive one of those um anyway they made it uh, for PC, and it came out in I want to say like twenty two thousand eight maybe. Yeah, I think I, I think I've got it and played it for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Don't remember. Right. So, um, I went to check it out on like my very first ever press trip. Yeah. They were doing a console port. Oh, okay. That never came out. Oh. But I played it. And I wrote an article, like I wrote a preview for it. Yeah, and I, it was fun. It was, and I, I, it was kind of, it felt a bit button mashy though, which was weird. Really like, weird. It was I. So I remember being in the demo. We all there was all these journalists around. We're all set at, at our own separate t- like TVs, and we're playing like a level in the campaign or whatever. And I had this was my first ever trip, and uh, trying to get to Sweden from Australia was like a nightmare because it, there was like a storm over Heathrow Airport, which was my, the one connecting flight I basically needed. Right. And um, and our flight got redirected and then delayed, and I ended up arriving 14 hours after I was meant to. Wow. I hadn't really slept at all. Mm-hmm. And so I had been basically in transit for like 40-something hours, and I hadn't slept very much. I think I maybe got an hour or two of sleep. 
and and I got in like seven a.m. of the morning that these demos were happening, and so um, I just was like completely out of it. And I did this whole demo thing, and I was just playing the game, and I like blew through the content really quickly, hmm. and I didn't realize it because I was just like sort of button mashing, and I <laughs> I beat the content before anybody else did. Oh wow! And I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> wow! Are you just bragging? No, no. Is this just a no, brag? This, this was more a sign that that the game was flawed <laughs> because, like, all I had to there was a, a like a very simple there was a very simple simple strategy of mm. just placed units whenever you could. Yep. Um, and you didn't really have to think about it. And what was the unit selection like? Was it just? I mean, you know like, I don't even when remember. when you place a unit, were you selecting which one? Because Halo Wars Two, I played a similar, very similar mode to that. Yeah, I think it was like you, they had cooldowns or something like that, or, okay. or they had costs yeah. associated with them. I don't, I don't fully remember, but um, you you just got like a trickle of money from like holding things. I don't. Yeah, I don't, it's, dude, that sounds a lot like this Halo Wars. Match I wonder I if it yeah. was. I think it came out around. I think it maybe working out around a similar time that Halo Wars came out, which is maybe why they canceled it. Because mm. maybe Halo Wars just did it mm. before them, and maybe did it better. And I mean, Halo Wars was designed for console rather yeah. than porting it true. to console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting that I, like that was the very first example of a game I think I played that never came out. Wow. Yeah. Mm. You and played was... half asleep and yeah, <laughs> and beat I mean, it was it. fine. Well done. <laughs> I just didn't. It it didn't. There yeah. was no strategy. Yeah, there was no strategy to it. Well, for that's me. that's what I remember from the five minutes I played of that game was because I I on the back cover of it, um, it looked like a uh, like a Command and Conquer's Generals yeah. type game, and I was like, this is gonna be cool because it was like Generals was when that came out like two thousand two thousand one or something like that, and this was years later. It's like sweet ass looking graphics, like it's gonna be great. And then it was really like I don't remember building a base. You just like put some units down and selected stuff, and you just held points and i was like ah, it's not really what i wanted mm-hmm. well um yeah halfway through my gameplay yep i i found out that you could boot stuff yeah so you <laughs> you had a different uh match type than i did like, oh, okay yeah so my my match type was just uh like what nick was describing where you just had a trickle of income from points on the map that you held mm-hmm. and then you just placed units uh you had a selection of units that came up like cards and you could uh, just pick which ones you wanted, and they did kind of matter because, like, you'd see what the enemy was um, hitting you with, and you're like, "I'm going to put down this like tank to counter this or right. whatever." Um, yeah. So yeah, but you had a, a different game where you actually built like a base or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I was telling Blake that it it had been while uh, a while since I'd played anything. The the last strategy game I'd played was StarCraft 2. Mm. And What did uh, you think of StarCraft 2? Good, man. I, I just never had time for it. Right. So I haven't finished it. Um, but I liked how it was just casual. Like, I really yep. enjoyed just assigning things. The The gameplay felt really good. It was on easy. Uh, yeah, but it felt great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I went away that, that night thinking, man, I'm probably I I want to pick up this game. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I I'm so surprised. Which doesn't really happen to me. Yeah, is this the, the game you were talking about during lunch, Blake? You said that Severn had started playing a game. Yep, this is the that game he liked that you wouldn't you didn't think he would like that had vehicles in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it wasn't GTA. It wasn't GTA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most opposite GTA that you could probably no, get. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think if it, if it had if it was fantasy setting, 
Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's sci-fi. That's basically fantasy. You're saying Hearthstone is the exact opposite. <laughs> from uh, Well, would you would you play Hearthstone? No. <laughs> mm, see? Yep. There you go. Too many stats. Yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, it was great. And I, I watched you play that and there was a, a crazy moment at the end. Mm. Oh, yeah. The freaking crab thing? Yeah. Yeah. They just took what? out all my units. But I'd won because I had had the captured points for no, the okay. longest. But I was getting wrecked, man. Um, yeah, that does sound a little bit similar to to mm -hmm. the game I played a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, I should play some Halo Wars. I find those games interesting because, like, on a controller, you don't have the capability of, like, micromanaging multiple locations at once. Mm. Well, I, I will say in Halo 2, the D-pad is used to quickly navigate around the map, which is sure. pretty cool. Like, locations of interest, largest yeah. groups of people, your, your main base, right. kind of thing. Um, I I think I played a game by Sega a long time ago called. No, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what it's called. It was it was made in Sonic. Australia. It was it was another console sort of RTS slash tactics game, mm. um, and they had a similar thing. It was uh, sort of over the shoulder perspective though, which is sort of strange for a for a strategy game. But yeah, you could hop around the map by. I think they they did it by using like the secondary stick to flick between locations on the map that's weird over the shoulder so were you inhabiting units on the map then more or less yeah sort of you you could see squads <laughs> right but they were you we were pretty close to the squads wow. I think oh, you could, okay you could, you could zoom in and out sort of at will wow weird um, it didn't ended up not being very good <laughs> right <laughs> because like there are just issues with with tactics and strategy games on console that mm. are very very difficult to overcome i One mean it's basically be, like map awareness is such a huge yep. problem I, and the maps are quite small. Yes. From, well, that, well I only be, saw right? the two maps that uh, me and Savern played, and my map was, like, tiny. It was... Right. And, and Savern's map seemed pretty small as well. But I did find myself, like, wanting to, um, you know, mouse over to the mini-map and, like, right. scroll and, and, around using that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I think that's just, like, because I've played uh, quite a few strategy games, and Savern hasn't played strategy games for ages, so you're more... You're not as used to... Mouse and keyboard setup yeah. as as I might be. Uh, that's bullshit, Blake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he played he played StarCraft. Yeah. So here's my question, Severn. <laughs> you played awesome. StarCraft, where map where map awareness is sort of a, a fundamental thing, right? Mm -hmm. You need to you need to know what your guys are doing, but you also need to know what your enemies are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you, scouting and stuff like that is really important, yeah. right? Um, so when you're playing a game like Halo Wars, mm -hmm. where you really only have a small window that you can look at like you, you can only look at a small cluster of units and to see areas where you're where you don't have units for example mm. is probably very difficult um how how does that feel on a console uh, i i thought it worked um did was that ever like a part of the gameplay though was scouting for example ever part of the gameplay yeah or, or is the yeah, game designed the, the, around that the, yeah there's a fog of war and everything okay um yeah i don't know what to say i i, I thought it was good you just get your build orders going on and then Scout your troops out, you know. Mm. I, I was doing that Dota thing that I've seen people do where you just smash down the move to button and you're just like repeatedly <laughs> freaking spamming it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure if that's a thing or if I was like, um, or, or you're meant to do that, but I, I was definitely doing that. Uh, another strategy game that we played recently, were you there when we were playing Supreme Commander? Or oh, yeah. Did you play that? Oh, man. Remember how we, I ruined everyone at the office that one time? I remember getting wrecked a lot. With that game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I was really into Total Annihilation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard very good things about those games. I've never played any of the... 
Oh, they're fantastic. They're cool. They're um, man, they are like they they send wave after wave of your troops. Like right. it's yeah. that's also a much more complex game than StarCraft, right? Yeah, like, it is that's, just that's the unlimited other, unit other count. end of the spectrum from a mm. from from probably Halo Wars. Yeah, right? yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Interesting. Do you like that one? Shit, yeah. Um, I I I really got into it. What what did you like about that game? Uh, uh the units. I, I I'm I'm one of those guys that likes to build up this massive army and just right. sit it out and just watch mm-hmm. the destruction. So, uh, you'd probably be sort of like a, a Timmy player. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, there are, there are, uh, there are these like psychographic profiles of of different types of game players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these were established initially by Wizards of the Coast for Magic: The Gathering. Okay. A Timmy is someone who likes big flashy things. You know, like this is me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, a Timmy Magic the Gathering player likes huge creatures, like giant dragons, and 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 winning in the coolest way possible, basically. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter if they lose more often than they win, as long as when they win, it's spectacular. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, a Johnny is someone who likes to use things in quirky ways and find weird. This sounds like you. Weird Unic. combinations of rules. It does sound like you, Nick, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm probably a bit of a Timmy and a bit of a Johnny. Mm. Um, at a spike is someone who uh, is strictly looking at, like, the competitive edge. So this is more like um, they may. So, okay. Uh, a, a spike would probably use um, a, a harvester in StarCraft to scout quite early. Okay. Um, that's not the intended purpose, but mm. by using that extra scout early, mm. they may get the competitive ed- edge, mm. um, or they may build. Um, they may be looking for the most efficient build strategy, um, but keeping in mind like how to how to counter, like building in such a way that they have an out in case their opponent has has is using a, ca- a counter strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're looking strictly for efficiencies, and they're looking for the most efficient path to victory, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, it sounds like you're a Timmy. Yeah, I, I just remember one game we played. It was me, you, Harry. Uh, I think I think you were there. It was four of us. Yeah, yeah. Know? We were playing in the office. Yeah, back in the old office. I remember me, I, I... Harry, Robbie, one other person. Yeah. And it ended up. I think I started in the bottom corner. Right. Took Harry out. I took you out. I think. <laughs> and then. I th- the fourth person was building out this massive yeah. Goliath thing, but that, I had must three be... bases at that point, and oh, I was just shit. like yeah. steamrolling. Yeah, man. Those were good games. I re- I remember them, and uh, yeah, they they were cool. I re- I remember one game where um, Harry w- it must have been early on because uh, Harry got beaten, and then uh, he we he ended up finding out that you could upgrade your units. <laughs> 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 yep. And he had level one units oh, the entire man. time. <laughs> the, the problem is I always get stressed out playing those games. Because yeah, I, I really is. get into it. Dude, that's why I um, I, I, I can't play StarCraft or something like after work mm. because then I'll just be up for like three hours oh. afterwards. <laughs> oh my gosh. Out. Yep. I used to have dreams about playing StarCraft. Oh yeah, dude, so did I. Like yeah. I, I, I but it would all be like very similar to the real game right. rules like, was it, it, like- was, it was based so hard in reality that i would wake up <laughs> thinking i had like i had just learned something about the game oh wow <laughs> you know dude that's your brain like processing yeah stuff yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's you play to the point where like you have a, a, a fundamental understanding mm. of, of the basics and your brain just plays out scenarios you know that's that's wow running simulations yeah basically that's amazing yeah um 
but that's what your brain does for almost anything, you know. If I'm sure, if you're learning an instrument, your brain, uh, and you, if you have a dream about playing an instrument, you're probably yeah. working through real stuff. Um, I have I have weird dreams that I'm back working at a movie theater, and all the problems <laughs> happening there are very specific and very and mundane. I'm, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> I remember these problems exactly and exactly how to solve them, and then I wake up going, why do I still remember yeah. these? Yeah. This like stuff. It's it has no Man. bearing on my life currently. Like, why am I? dreaming of this so specifically it's i had dreams about working in a call center for years oh afterwards. god that would be did a you nightmare. work at a call, call yeah, center? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be weird if you didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah i am um, I yeah i've had a couple of those um mm. at, at an old place i worked at oh man this this one i, I used to work at Macca's, and um i remember this freaking dream where people were ordering burgers, but I, I kept pulling out like hot dog buns. <laughs> like, I can't make anything like mince, like pack and save, like supermarket mince. I was like throwing yeah. on the grill. And oh stuff. shit. It was, it was oh, wow. like, I, I so you, you, yeah. Like dude, like there's stuff going wrong. Right. And you're like scrambling to like yeah. fix it, but everything you do, like you don't have the right stuff. Like that's exactly <laughs> yeah, the, the same thing as what right, I've been yeah. getting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Talked about dreams. This is completely unrelated to video right. games at this point. But um, one of my favorite shows is called Louie. Have, oh, yeah. have you ever watched Louie? L- Louis the CK? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in season five of Louie, and I just watched this episode like three times like recently because I was in the US and, and US Netflix is so much better than Oh, man. New Zealand yeah, Netflix. dude. I used to get a proxy for uh, US Netflix yeah, and it was so, so much better. And then they like they blocked they, it, they blocked it yeah. and I was real bummed out. Um, so... Louise on US Netflix, so I was watching it in like the hotel rooms and stuff. And then it was also the same episode was on the plane on the way back. So oh, like, you know what? I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> oh, wow. There's an episode about dreams. No. And it's it's the most accurate representation of dreams I've oh, ever great. seen on a TV show. It's just so good. Check it. It's called Untitled. Okay. <laughs> to make it really easy for you guys. Uh, see if you can track it down. Watch, watch Untitled. It's so good. Cool. Um, yeah, Hello Wars too. You liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Did you Did you play anything? Uh, well, oh, uh, or get up to anything? Yeah, I I played a bit more uh, uh, Dishonored two and playing more Stellaris, mm. which is just Stellaris <laughs> is uh, kind of a it's it's sort of annoying because like it's a game that never ends, and so I'm just always playing it and not really playing anything else. It's not really that interesting to talk about. Mm. Um, yeah, there's but Dishonored too. Huh? Dis- Dishonored too, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I rambled on last week about like the world building and stuff, but man, their world building is oh, just yeah? fantastic. There, I, I I've um <laughs> it, I've turned off uh, so um you have like uh, objective markers that you see just in the environment, and that's just part of the HUD. Mm. So I turned those off because I found myself uh not really paying attention to things people said or stuff I read. I would just see a pop-up that said go to this marker and so i'd go there and not really ex- experience the environment i'm just mm-hmm. like it's just a thing to go through to get to this point so i turned those off because i was like um, i don't feel like i'm playing the game properly mm-hmm. i did the same thing with the witcher as well actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now uh, to to find stuff i've got like I'll, I'll get a you know you start off saying you need to get and kill this person mm-hmm. And so I have to figure out where they are in the environment because I'm not being told where they are through the through the um, objective marker. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they they highlight things so perfectly in that game. Like you'll you'll overhear a conversation where someone is saying such and such is uh, you know in the um, in the basement or whatever of of 
this, of the building that you're in and you're like, that's the person I'm looking for. They're in the basement. And you'll find like an elevator that clearly has it labeled, you know, lobby, blah, blah, whatever, basement. And you're like, I know that they're down there. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. And you completely miss all this kind of stuff mm. uh, if you're just following the, the objective markers, mm. you know. Like there was, there was a mission where I had to retrieve a body from a building and drop it off to someone in the basement of a, uh, an old dentist building. And I'm like, how am I going to know any of this? Like, but uh, I found I just happened to find the body because of um, uh, I, I, luck, really. Like, I just searched every building. Like, that, I knew the general area it was, so I was like, I'm just going to go through every building and try to find it. I found it, mm. and then uh, and then I'm like, how am I going to find this bloody dentist office, which was an old dentist office that's not being used anymore? Like, this is this is going to be impossible. And I went around the corner and down the street on the on the street corner, I saw a big tooth sign that said dentists. Yep. And I was like, that's where I'm going. That's yep. the thing. And I probably would have not even like looked at that, not even appreciated it if I'd just been following the stupid like objective marker. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm just immersed in it. It's great. I'll, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I've, I'm getting good at like m- one shot murders and um, cause that dude, I've, I've sort of, realized uh that that game is really all about killing things in one shot like if, mm. if you're in a situation where you're like i think i can take that person out but i'm then i'm gonna have to fight these other two people mm. like you can't really do it uh you need to take them out at least two of them out in one shot and so i've gotten good at like warping down there stabbing one in the back warping like somewhere else stabbing somebody else or like i did this really cool move a lot very similar to what i talked about on the last podcast where I froze time and just murdered tons of people in the area <laughs> and was like teleporting all over the place while I was doing it. Is it was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that. And <laughs> is that an open world game? No, but the areas are like quite large, and the the areas are built like in a way that um, you know, it's like you have uh, it's a bit like what's it called Deus Ex, where you have multiple ways of getting in there. Mm. But the world is so beautiful that I want to find every single way to go through because I just want to experience like the whole thing in its like its entirety, mm. yeah. which is completely like not realistic. You know, you don't go you don't go okay. I need to assassinate someone in that building. I'm just going to find every single way I can go through there, and then when I've killed them, I'm going to explore the entire mm. building to find every way I could have gone in there. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. When I, when I played Deus Ex, uh, I think it was the f- Human Revolution. Was it the first of the modern ones? I, maybe, I think so. Sounds right. I don't know. Yeah. Whichever, whichever one came out in like 2011 yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, there was an achievement for like non-lethal playthrough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I found, uh, I was trying to sort of do that on my first playthrough. And uh, then I got to a part where I accidentally killed someone, or oh. whatever, and it was just, and I stopped playing basically. Uh, and I you think, couldn't live with yourself. <laughs> well, it was like, well, I, I, I'm not gonna like go through it again or whatever, and um, and I wasn't enjoying it enough to, right. to like just play through it as it is or whatever. But, although in in retrospect, I probably could have just played however I wanted and just enjoyed the game at, at its face value. But I I remember that um, I think Dishonored one had something similar. It was like um, achievements for like yeah. non-lethal playthroughs or whatever. Yeah, uh, this this has. I mean, I, it, it probably has it because like every 
submission, uh, you get a sort of summary of how you did and, yeah. and where you sort of ranked on the lethal to non-lethal kind of right. thing. And there is a, a, a box that says, uh, like, didn't kill anyone. Yeah. Or uh, or wasn't seen by anyone. And, yeah. So you can definitely, like, go through the game not killing anyone. Yeah. For some reason, that harms my gameplay experience. Really? Yeah. Uh, when I when there is a... Uh, when when there is a prize, like right. an achievement or whatever, um, but it's for, it's just an for, achievement. It doesn't affect yeah, anything, uh, except your on, pride. On one level, I <laughs> on one level I agree with you, but on another level, there are like there are points associated with it or whatever, right? Like there's, well, there's who, there is a bar somewhere that that gets filled up as you as you do. Yeah, things. but it means nothing. Oh, it it totally means nothing, <laughs> except that it kind of except means to you it means and, something. And then like, I got if, more points than right, somebody else. That's of course, it. yeah. And I find that that hurts for some reason. I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm the kind of player where if if I hear there's like a an achievement for playing through it in a certain way, I'll try and do it on the first time. Yeah, just for the sake of efficiency or whatever. And then if I mess it up, my uh, desire to play that game plummets. Wow. So, I I. I mentioned this on the on the last podcast that i always start every mission trying to get that achievement for that mission of right. like not killing anyone or right. not being seen and it very very quickly turns to shit yeah and then i'm just like well i gotta roll with it now like that that would be a nice mentality for me to have yeah i just don't have it <laughs> i really should I, sh I should work on that because there are so many games that i've just stopped playing yeah not i completely stopped playing it yeah. is such a bummer then yeah so your whole enjoyment of it just hinges on there's um, one thing that's my completely optional. And in fact, I would probably have a much better time uh, if I just forgot about that entirely or, yeah. or, or switched it off or hit it or if, if there was some way to just completely disengage if, from the achievement. If it was something like the achievement was still there, but it didn't tell you up front it was there. When you finish the game, it just pops up and you're like, oh, yeah, thanks. I didn't kill anyone. That's that's great. Um, this is this is that's a tricky question to answer because like with hidden achievements. I have certain assumptions, and I'll I'll assume that one of them is going to be like method of completing the game. So, right. for example, Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite, for example, I'd be like, uh, there's probably an achievement for like doing all of the options related to one thing versus all the options related to another, like all the dialogue options. Like at the start of, of Bioshock Infinite, when you can either throw the thing at the guy or not, right? You know, I'll I'll assume that there is there are branching this, oh, this right. branching yeah, option yeah. has Gameplay implications later, and those gameplay implications later probably have achievement implications or whatever, mm. right? Um, and so I, I tend to play with that sort of meta knowledge in the, at the back of my mind at all times, mm. which is a problem. Um, in the case of Bioshock Infinite, it was fine because I played the crap out of that game, and like I did va basically every variation of it you could do mm. um, because it wasn't too long, and it wasn't and it was so well crafted that like the whole entire entire time I was really enjoying it. But for a game like Deus Ex, which was a little rougher on the edges, and um, which had quite stark character customization options, where if you took one branch, you couldn't take the other at all, and you, if you tried to go middle of the road, you kind of screwed up in both directions mm. or whatever. Um, that's where I, I started running into problems. Right. I. Uh... The thing I, I didn't like about Deus Ex was that... Because uh, I, I did I would approach that game the same way I'm approaching um, uh, Dishonored, where I would try not to kill anyone. Yeah. And then 
when things turn to shit, I'll just You'll murder just, a bunch of yep. people. But um, so much of that game was just crawling around vents. Yep. It was like, if you want to go the that's stealth true. road, oh, there's a vent somewhere. That's and, that's the other and, part of it. It makes the, the experience very one-dimensional. Yeah. That's, that's very, but, yeah. And they advertise it as like, oh, you've got multiple options to get into this building. You can do this, you yeah. can do that. But it really is either be like Neo from The Matrix and just blast everyone in that lobby yeah. or creep around an event. Yeah. Uh, I think you, that's, you may have even made a better point than I have. Right. <laughs> I think you, may, you may have just helped me figure out one of the reasons I don't like there this. There you go. It, it's just, it, it uh, incentivizes you to have a narrow gameplay mm. experience. Um, and I think that's really what the problem is for right, me. Right, right. Um, you might really not like Dishonored then because not only is there uh, the, uh, the achievement for um, not killing anyone, there's an achievement for not being seen by anyone mm. at all, mm-hmm. which is bloody impossible to do. I right. don't know who's doing that. But yeah, I think you'd, you'd drive yourself nuts trying to, trying to do that. Yeah. I think also part of the problem is that a lot of these achievements um can only be done a very specific way you know mm. um you have to you have to take out these guys in this set order um when they're at this point in their patrol yeah um and you have to get these upgrades and you have to blah 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 whatever um there's, yeah. there's not a, there, there's an element of creativity in that you sort of have to put the puzzle pieces together and you have to like you have to sort of mm. you you analyze the situation and you you figure out the order and you and you execute it but you also have to know the full like puzzle to begin with. Like yes, I mean, that's Dishonored, true as well. you, you you go through sections. So yeah. what you do in one, you don't know. Like if you put, you know, you choke somebody out and you hide a right. body somewhere. How, how is well, that going to come back to bite you in the yeah, ass? Later? Yeah, yeah, you don't know that. And then something you did at the start of the game could then affect right at the end when you know you thought you're going to get through without being seen or be killed by anyone, and whoops last guy right. accidentally dies because of something you did. On top earlier. of that, in, at least in the case of like Deus Ex, a lot of these choices were false choices. Right. As in like, um, if you if you make this choice without knowing it, like you're going to be found out and you're going to have to run away and either hmm. try and reapproach it and, and do the stealth kill or whatever later. Or you have you do the other option and, and you do the stealth thing then and there, you know? Hmm. Um there's not in in the in the way that Path of Exile lets you gives you all the tools and lets you create a build, um, however you see fit. You don't have that. It's like the, it's designed with a certain style in mind. Yeah, and you execute it or you don't. Mm. And there's there's it's like a, a, a false creativity. Mm. If that makes sense. It was like a, a the the level is designed for you to to take these paths and you, you either you take those paths and you get the results you want or you don't yeah 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 um, um uh, talking about deus ex though a mate of mine really really loved that that game mm. and uh i i pretty much said the same thing to him that i just said about you know crawling around in vents and he was like yeah. oh no wonder you didn't like it you're playing it wrong you just play it like a first person shooter yeah. and it's great and i was yeah. like Oh, maybe maybe that yeah. is what, how I should <laughs> yeah, be playing. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's be, totally the problem. Just be a first person shooter. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they incentivized you to, to do a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that is it often anti fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it is weirdly anti fun. The the stealth way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's probably great fun once you have a deep understanding of right. the game and you yeah. can you can then play around and you you know all yeah. the ins and outs whatever. Um, 
and you're not missing out on anything because you're doing the stealth option. But when you know that there is an incentive from the get-go and because your friend told you about it or because it's in the achievements menu and you go about doing it and you have a bad time, mm. that should that achievement shouldn't have even been available in the first yeah, playthrough. You know? yeah. There probably needs to be some level of like, on your first playthrough, just go have a good time and do whatever. And then we'll 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 talk about specializations and whatnot <laughs> later. You know? Well, that's... um. Yeah, like the, the whole thing of like making a choice uh, before you know what, you know, like how it's going to affect your yep. gameplay. You know, like the, the the one real bummer with the Dishonored is right at the start, it lets you choose which character you want to play as. Yeah. And I know that because of like things I've heard and, and stuff that uh, the characters have different powers. Yeah. But I don't know what those powers are at that point. Yeah. So. I could just completely ruin my game by picking the right. wrong the wrong character. It's interesting that you're talking about this because Dark Souls does the same thing. <laughs> it does, but it but it, uh, <laughs> it it thrives on that. Like that that is. But you you choose a character. I remember in the in Demon Souls, yeah. you like you choose the armored character. You've made the wrong choice. You're yep. gonna you're gonna lose. You have a bad time. Have a very bad time. <laughs> you choose the naked character. Hey, good choice. <laughs> yeah, have, have I mean, fun. Dark, Dark Souls is a, Dark Souls is a special case, though. And yeah, like that—that's exactly what happened to me in Dark Souls. I chose the the armored knight guy because yeah. I'm like, of course I'm gonna choose the right. the armored guy. Like, why wouldn't I? But he's slow and and useless and can't roll and just lies right. on the ground for ages. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's not so, good. Yeah, um, real strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I had to say. I think I thought there was something else I wanted to say about this one, but I can't remember now. I wanted to talk about um, some RTS stuff. Okay. Uh, it made me remember one of my favorite games. Uh, I, I want to see if I can track it down, and we should probably try doing lands and stuff of it oh, yeah. in the office because it was. it's called um, Empire's Dawn of the Modern World. Holy crap. Is it related to the Empire's theory? Age of Empires? N- I don't think it's directly related. Okay. It does how ha- it plays on some of the same like mechanisms. Damn it. You know, so you have to like pick berries and yeah, you, kill you, animals. You, you pick berries, you kill animals, you harvest resources and you go from like um pr- classical through to World War 2 basically. Mm-hmm. Right. But it it I love that game because you you choose your nation at the start, start of the game and as you're teching up you get branching choices later that bring you into modern cultures. Um, and they had, and, and the tech trees are really interesting and you have like wonders and you have all sorts of stuff. That, and it, um, But their method of like nor- normal, like strategy games have like rock, paper, scissors sort of uh, this unit counters that unit, which counters this unit. Right. Um, in empires Dawn on the modern world, it was just the sort of attributes of the unit that determined how well they countered, something else so like you'd have these tank guns which were great against tanks just because they had like armor penetration or something like that and and tanks had high armor um but did terribly against you know whatever else other thing well Um, like like a person yeah like a like a person you shoot a armor piercing bullet at a person and it doesn't do as much damage well it may it it might it might actually take down quite a few people right people are so cheap by comparison yeah that it actually ends up not being as efficient Right, right right um and they also did these amazing things with line of sight where height mattered. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Like you'd build a tower on top of a hill and it would have much more line of sight and range. But oh, then that's cool. on top of that, as something's climbing the hill, 
it can't shoot it quite as well because hmm. the angle of, right. like, of the projectile. It, it was cool. a great game. So I want to see if we can track this down. Yeah. How played, old is it? I want to say it was like 2005 <sighs> or six. Oof. So it's a little <laughs> pretty old. I can imagine what it's going to look like then. And it was it was ugly even back then. Oh. Like, it was not a good looking game, but dang, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had, one of my fondest memories was like a four and a half hour game I played with my best friend. Oh wow. We were we were teamed up. I was like playing France and he was playing Korea. Yep. And I don't remember who we were up against, but two of the people on our team had quit. Um, this is taking it was, too long. It was, it was, a, it was a four on four fight. <laughs> Two of the people on our team had quit, and the other people on the other team were still around. Um, and we were basically on two separate islands, giant giant continents with this ocean in the middle. Wow! And it was just basically like a a no man zone, you know, in the in the center. And we were we were just like a stalemate, slowly building up resources, <laughs> slowly pecking away at each other. There are finite resources in the game, so at some point you just have to start. Yep. Um, Taking it, it, from it becomes a war of attrition, yeah, basically. Yeah. And we figured out this this great uh, mode of attack after hours and hours, and we found the weakness, and we we burrowed through into their base and blew them up. But it was such an, a tense game for four hours. Ah, uh, there are very few games that like leave a lasting impression. Yep. Um, especially multiplayer games where you remember a specific match. So oh, the yeah, fact that yeah. I remember this years Jesus. later is, is a good sign. I'm going to play that game more. <laughs> well, okay. This is happening. What, what was it called again? Empire's Dawn of the Modern World. And that sounds like a mobile game. That's yeah. like the title of a, all every mobile game nowadays. It was like a sort of like B-tier studio, I think, right. made it at the time. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of art resources, um, but clearly a ton of design work went to it. Do you know if they've made anything else? They had made other stuff. Yeah. I don't remember what. Okay. Um, I need to look them up. We should track it down. Yeah, if if we can track it down, I totally want to do a LAN in the office. Do you think so it sounds good, Savan? Uh, I'm on the fence about that game. <laughs> Why? Uh, just because of because we're in 2016. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what would uh, okay. That but, would, that's what would put me off. I think. Have you played Age of Empires two recently? No. I mean, it's it's aged, <laughs> mm. but at its 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 fundamentals are still pretty solid. They HD okay. it though. Huh? They HD it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is not going to look good, but in terms of like modern yep. uh, RTS expectations, where okay. you can like assign things to locations and um, expect the villagers to act mm. intelligently, like when the berry bush runs out, they go to the next berry bush or whatever, yep. <laughs> or or when the farm runs out, they replant it or whatever. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's got all of that, yeah. and so uh, it's got modern usability features. And I think even back then, there were kind of new usability features mm. and sort of revolutionary at the time mm. despite it being like a low budget title mm -hmm. that's um, cool it just i i found that game so good it sounds like the map is big too if you've got a whole ocean and continents uh yeah i mean it's got a lot of options i, I love a big map for yeah you can you can make the map huge Sweet. back in the day it ran very poorly on my computer yeah. if it made the map too big oh man so. it's gonna run great <laughs> it's gonna run great fingers crossed i wonder what the how, how it runs how will it all. look at the new resolutions though uh, is it going to be, like, be like garbage? Be yeah. like the uh, Diablo two effect where you put it on, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> what am I looking at? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's all three D. Oh it's, really? It's not, yeah, it's not. It's not like uh, okay. it's not sprites and, and isometric. It's all three okay. D. It's just the three D models were kind of low poly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll check that out. My my takeaway is we're overdue for some solid strategy games. You know what? I I agree with you. Mm. I can't think of a. Of like what's what's come out recently that Starcraft, the, Starcraft did 
yeah. Legacy of the Void. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, did, that I didn't play one. any of the last two StarCrafts. And I'm neither. sure they're good. But when I when I got the first StarCraft, it was fun. Mm. But it didn't satisfy my like my my RTS itch. Mm. I don't know. I'm with you, man. Yep. There was it was it was streamlined in some senses to the point of like being kind of boring. You know? I'll I'll tell you one thing with that Halo uh, Halo Wars 2, two. Mm. I haven't seen high level gameplay of that before right a, a lot of me playing Starcraft multiplayer is yep. knowing that there are a lot of people right much better mm. than me I was thinking about that as well the skill cap yeah, yeah. it's much narrower and so this is the reason why I'm not playing multiplayer I just don't want to get my dreams mm. shattered mm. Um, but with Halo Wars 2 I'm playing it and the people playing it there were complete garbage so <laughs> but you know. Um, for a game like StarCraft, there's matchmaking, right? You establish your rank. I know. And then you're you're playing against people, theoretically, of a similar skill level. So no, you're I know. getting good matches. I, I, I know. Is I know. it more that when you see your rank and it's like silver or whatever, you're like, oh. Yeah, that, that would kind of get me a little bit. That's depressing. <laughs> I, should, I, I thought I was going to be diamond at least. <laughs> oh, man. That was my, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Got, got to work on my APMs, you know? <laughs> yep. It's not about where you click; it's how fast you click. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to get those head those headphones as well. Those, that that glow with your APMs change color. Have you oh, seen those? No, I've never. What? Heard of oh man, that's what they were using in the uh, StarCraft uh, tournaments for quite a while. They had these headphones on, and the higher the APMs, they're like different colors. The headphones would glow. Okay. All right, should we start talking about some? Uh, should we start answering some questions? Yep. We've got some questions yep. here. We oh, got man. some uh, listener feedback as well, or a listener lot, listener a mail that you might want to. Okay, well, first of all, if you have a question, you can email us, frontseatquestions at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us, at frontseatcast. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash frontseatcast, uh, and a WordPress site, frontseatgamer.wordpress.com, and a YouTube channel. So just check out one of these things. Blake has been oh. adding clips called Bytes. I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guess how many subscribers we're at. Uh, we were at, what were we at eight before or something? Yeah, yeah, we're okay. at sixty now. No, oh my god, <laughs> get out of here! Look out, Pootie Pie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're coming for you. Yeah, um, it's it awesome. Sixty, that's great. Uh, we're also now on the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Have we talked about this before? Uh, I mentioned it briefly. Cool. Yep. Um, we got contacted <laughs> by these people. Mm-hmm. They seem like seem- chill, chill dudes. Yep. Uh, uh, they got some good shows as well. I yeah. Like. Oh, something I noticed uh, after listening to a few of the uh, podcasts on uh, on that network. Yep. Uh, a lot of us have the same intro music. No. You, what? You know what? Like this, the not bit, the same. The, the bit tune, but thing? the tip chip tune <laughs> music. Of course it's, we do. It's I mean, all it's, of that. Sure. <laughs> See, we've got to go back to my, the one I picked. <laughs> the royalty free. The royalty free. What are Guitar. Grand, grand what, yeah, what do you, what do you want to change it to? We could do like, well, how about like opera? You want to have like an opera intro? Oh, class it up Ooh, a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, a lot of like uh, Beethoven is open domain, isn't it? How about that... how about some bagpipes? Just oh, that that yeah. do it. Uh, what's the relationship? We got. <laughs> I don't. Oh man. Well, let's talk some music. We'll talk about intro yeah, music. Yeah. Let's see. Let's tr- let's mix it up a little bit. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our intro music is done by Andrew, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. Which is cool. We'll it's see. Like if, we'll see if he's got any bagpipe music. Yeah, he's he's got an <laughs> album coming out soon that we'll probably mention when it, when it's actually coming out. But that's exciting. Yeah. Um, 
So the the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network, that's hashtag AGPN on Twitter, or you can visit their group, facebook.com slash groups slash AGP network. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Let's talk listener mail. This is from D. I don't know who D is. We're keeping that on the down low. Um, but their comment is about pizza. Oh, yeah. Blake we've, revived we've, this. We've talked about... Oh, was this in the last episode? Yeah, Blake brought it up. It's good. It's always a good talk. When is it not? Yeah. Give me the skinny real quick. Of, of what? Of what you talked about. I, I uh, What was it? Uh, was it hot or cold? Well, I'm I'm clearly in the in the cold camp. Yeah, uh, Ed, cool. who was uh, had switched to cold. Nope. And uh, Ryan, what was he? Was he reheat? I think he was uh, I don't even know, man. He well, was reheat, and he or, said he almost burnt down his kitchen once reheating pizza. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, D says, put two slices stacked on top of each other, topping sides down, and reheated sandwich press. Works best with thin crust. Yes, yeah, that sounds like a great yeah. idea. I That's think legit. I've, we, I, I tend to microwave it that way, but um, dude, microwave! Don't microwave anything, man. What are you doing? Or or oven bake it like that. Oven right, baking okay. is, is a solid strategy as well. Uh, but we have a sandwich press now at work, mm. so I'm looking forward to next time we have pizza. <laughs> getting, getting, getting a Sal's yeah. sandwich. I'm specifically not going to eat any warm pizza, so we have more cold pizza oh, to yeah. put in the sandwich press. It's going to be fantastic. I'm just going to take some pizza and just put it straight in the fridge. <laughs> oh my god, I just hate you so much. <laughs> All right. Um, this is in relation to what game world would you want to live in? Was this something that I missed? Oh, yeah. It was a, a question that we <laughs> okay. sort of made up that Good. I, I stole fine. from another podcast. Cool. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I did. Wow. <laughs> We're not like creative seat gamers, okay? Come on. Um, well, that's a good... I thought it was a good question. This is this is from I Derp A Lot. This is a... That's a good name. Mm. Uh, he or she says... I remember playing Sam and Max Hit the Road when it just came out in the early 90s. It must have been seven or eight. The game always gave me the strangest open world boner. So let's let's go with a he for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like I could go anywhere in that world. And when I played through the remake edition recently, I remember just how good of a game it was and how much of the jokes I didn't understand as a kid. But I also realized that the game had basically nothing to do with the concept of open world. Uh, I'd sure want to live in that game world, though. So That's, that's a point-and-click adventure, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that it gave him an open world boner. Well, it was um, not an open world game. It wasn't an open world game. But I guess at the time, it's like the 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 like that was a very unique sort of world. Like those right. uh, those those point and click games really did seem more open than other games of the time. You know, I mean, like, even by today's standards, they're pretty open. We were playing the Day of the Tentacle remake recently right. at home, and um, just the fact that you can like. You can see the crazy dialogue options for things that you mean, like you could do a thing that has no bearing whatsoever on progression, uh, but is there solely to amuse you. Hmm. Like in Day of the Tentacle, there's an inflatable clown with a laughing box stuck inside of it. And what you're meant to do, spoilers for, for a game from 1991, um, is you're meant to stab the clown with a scalpel. <laughs> and, okay. it, and it deflates and you take the laugh box out of it. But you can punch the clown, and it swings back and then smacks you in the face hmm. and laughs at you. And like, there's there's no reason to do that other than to amuse it. Yeah. And, and you can like, you can talk to the clown and do all sorts of stuff. It's just there's just features there hmm. uh, for entertainment value, which um, 
which is just good, you know? A game is meant to be entertaining, or at least some games are. So hmm. it's not all about just getting to the end of it. And that, like, I think good games understand that. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is why I think that items in our game that aren't good but are entertaining still have value. Like there's um, Extractor Mentis, which is a bit of a troll item, but, mm. you know, it, it's not good. Yeah, I wouldn't it, use it to... What does it do? Uh, if you, Whenever you kill an enemy, you have like a 5% chance to gain Unholy Mind and Onslaught, but whenever you kill an enemy, other enemies also have a chance to gain Unholy Might and Onslaught. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, it's a quirky mm. sort of thing. And, you know, if you're a Spike player, it holds no value. Right, yeah, yeah. But if you're if, if you're just there for entertainment value and to yeah. mess around, which admittedly we don't have, are, are we quite a competitive player base, but there are some people who just enjoy them sort of messing mm. around and trying new stuff out. You know, that that's exists mm. for them as well. Uh, we've got uh, a question from uh, one of our Facebook fans. Uh, Vivan, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, he says, Breach has been a great success so far, and it's a great throwback to beyond. What kind of art slash design process did you guys work on for it? Why are there so many hands everywhere? Um, well. Why are there so many hands everywhere? <laughs> I think Nick. that was just Eric. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, Eric just, I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I think he just thought hands are cool. Hands were cool. Yeah. Hands are cool. Hands are pretty cool. Hmm. It's yeah. what separates us from the... Uh, I mean, to be the fair, non-hands. Filthy animals. <laughs> from the worms. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, if it were feet, I don't think that would be as good a league. You know? The It'd be league? creepier, yeah. would I it? reckon. Yeah, feet are creepy. Way creepier than hands. But, I mean, they're sort grosser. Of- if you saw a foot just sitting there, it would be freaky as fuck. Sure, I, I but think if, if I if I went over to that foot and it opened up a portal. Yeah, and, like what or, the hell? Or if, if I had to click on a flute, foot for loot. Oh, or man. if there was a, if all of my, my if my cape had a, a bunch of feet sticking out of it. Wait, I, I think hands are creepier. Yeah? yeah hands yeah. are definitely creepier. Is it, is, it, is it from Adam's family? No, hands just grasp at you. Like, yeah. They can choke hands. you. They can grab you. Uh, yes. Foot just smells. I guess, maybe you know? the thing is. I see my hands every day, but you know I wear shoes uh, all the time, so I don't see it. my feet yeah. very often. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong; feet are gross. Yeah, there's a, there is a creepy element to feet. Yeah, so like, I I wouldn't want someone pressing their feet up to my face. No, right? Not at all. Never. But I, if a stranger was grasping at me, what I would the- I would be genuinely afraid. <laughs> like if a stranger's like shoving his foot on me, I'd be like, stop that. You he know, wouldn't be afraid. Quit it. <laughs> be like, How did he be... get his foot all the way up near your face? Like this is terrifying. Uh, yeah. Well, sure. I, I, it's not terrifying in the same way. I think. <laughs> uh, he also says in a previous podcast, uh, I mentioned that I did all the writing for Navali. This is me paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of a part is the writing for design? Um, it's a uh, not a huge part. It tends to be that like design takes priority over the writing. Um, however, ideally things work in tandem. You know, ideally it all all parts work together for the same goal. Um, but sometimes uh, there's a cool mechanic, and uh, there needs to be something written to fit it. Um, flavor text, for example, is often one of the last steps for unique item creation, uh, and so it sort of has to try and. It has to work to bridge all the elements together. Mm. Uh, 
in the case of prophecy, uh, oftentimes, I, th I think for almost every case, we had the mechanics of or, or what we wanted the prophecy to do, and then I went and wrote a prophecy for it. So in that case, it was it was sort of the secondary feature there. Yeah. But it helped because it meant it gave good feedback when you got a prophecy and when you completed a prophecy, you heard the dialogue. And ideally what was meant to happen was you'd then look back at what your actions did and you'd see the words and hear the words and you'd go, oh, now I get it. Um, but I think in a lot of cases it just – there were some that were just bad. Right. <laughs> um, the Vol Orb prophecy is one that people Yeah. Hate. Okay. Well, what is it? it? Tell it. <sighs> it was – and keep in mind, I had to write hundreds of these. So, <laughs> so this was, this so was the last one. So yeah. quality, control, quality control was a little all over the place. Oh, a thing happens. <laughs> next prophecy. Like, um, and so the prophecy is like, okay, the next vol area you go into, the, bo the boss will drop a vol orb. Um, and so I think that the prophecy text I ended up writing was like, to uh, harvest, a, harvest grain, you need a tool. To build a, something, you need mm. a tool. To spread corruption, you needed a tool, right? And that was it. Like okay. the implication being that a vol orb is yeah. the tool used for spreading corruption. To be fair, had you um, just been to Bunnings or something, <laughs> like just come back I, from a hardware store? Know, and... It was it was one of the like two hundred and something <laughs> prophecies. They can't all be the best, you know. There's there's going to be variance there, and in this case, the variance was wide. <laughs> um. Uh, what else does he say here? Uh, do we consult Eric on this? Yeah, I talked to Eric quite a lot. He, he, I, I think he also just tends to check stuff. What, what's your experience with? I mean, you guys work quite closely with Eric to some extent, right? Uh, yeah. Y yeah, Eric's like a filter mm. um, for for all the stuff. I, I always uh, check with him now with our hard mm. Earlier on, I would try and use my own intuition, mm -hmm. but just found out that Eric and I have very different. Yeah. Taste in, in in what we think should go mm -hmm. in the game. Eric, um, I I think I've spoken about this before. The main feedback Eric usually gives me is that um, uh, it it's too fantasy. Like I'll make something like the uh, catapult is like the prime example where I used uh, some Warhammer um, reference, mm -hmm. and then his feedback to me was like it's too much like a Warhammer thing. It's too fantasy. Like tone yep. it down. Yep. And uh, yeah, so he's he's all about more more realism and less like fantasy looking stuff. Eric's quite good at um, trying to keep the world consistent, mm. which I, which is helpful because as soon as things start standing out of the world, the whole a whole entire like immersion element starts to starts to break down. Mm -hmm. um, I I think he tends to just check almost everything that goes in the game at some point before it, it goes live. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll I'll just like at least in the past I'd be working on unique items and I'd write name and flavor and then I'd like make an issue to get 2D art made and I, it might include the name and flavor in that issue to help give the artist some idea of what to work towards um, and then he would immediately sort of shoot back and say this name's dumb come up with a better one <laughs> and so, and oftentimes he was right like the name was dumb how dude how hard is it to come up with names for things it varies yeah. sometimes it's it's super super easy uh, and sometimes it's very, very hard. Um, in the case of like, if we're talking Breach, for example, uh, I wanted those names to sound distinct from the Beyond names, mm -hmm. but also distinct from any other culture we had in the game. So they, did they need to follow a, a theme of some type? 
like a you know like how Lovecraft monsters all sort of sound the same. They've all got like right in their in their name. <laughs> yeah. So what I try, I what I was trying to make them, I was trying to make them all sound like they could have come from the same culture. Yeah. And I wanted them to also sound like they came from the same world as Beyond, hmm. but basically a different culture from the Beyond. Oh world wow, as that's, Beyond that's tricky. <laughs> right. So I don't know. It's hard for me to tell how well I achieved that because you know it's it's a sort of subtle thing. And it's not something that people are looking out for. Um, and so you don't really hear feedback about that sort of thing. Mm. But you hear feedback when something's wrong. Right. Like when something sounds bad or has yep. a dumb name, you hear about it. Um, and so not hearing about that is uh, sometimes good. Mm. Uh, but for like the, the the breach ones, I I went with like, I wanted shorter sounds. So mm-hmm. that's why there's like esh and tool and, and like names that are kind of short. And to the point, and then like mm. the longest one is Ul Natal, um, which sort of still has some similar sounds to like mm. some of the other ones. So it's more that for for like breach names, I tried to have based around it around sort of similar sounding vowels and stuff. That's cool because that's like that's some world building that's, yes. that's happening there. Yeah, that yeah, is in the background that people probably don't even think of. Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote about this in the interview that we posted. Um, but like naming things is something I think about a lot hmm. because it is uh, one of the connections that people have to the world is that how, how things are named and a name can tell you a ton about the world and the culture and things hmm. like that. Like a name can tell you immediately where someone's from or, um, or what something's function is uh, or like if they're good or bad, you know, or, or like, you, you, or it, it's, it creates something like memorable or a connection to the character, you know. Right. Um, so I think about naming a lot because there's just also a ton of things to name as a game designer. Yeah. Items, skills, enemies, uh, chests, like anything that can be moused over basically has to have a name. Areas. Yeah, areas. Although I guess Eric comes up with a lot of the with the area names. I guess. Yep. Yeah, he does. Mm. Um. Eric also tends to ask for like feedback on some stuff because obviously cool. English isn't his first language, right? Um, and so he'll he might have an idea and mm-hmm. he'll he'll pass it. He'll be like, "I want something like this, but um, like make it use better English," mm. you know. And um, he's I mean he's a good writer, uh, but because English isn't his first language, there's just sometimes stuff that needs to be fixed up. Mm. Yeah. So naming, I think about tons. Do you guys ever like have thoughts about like? I mean, you guys work on art all the time. Do you, is there stuff that you think about and like you focus on that other people probably don't think is important, or or people don't even necessarily think about? So, for example, like, art. Yeah, uh, all the technical stuff is all is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. No one playing the game, especially uh, uh, the 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 left brain yeah type people. Um, the speed I, I don't runners? even think yeah. consider it. Yeah. These, those. So, like for example. Uh, one of the areas we showed off on the press tour, and mm-hmm. which players have now seen, is called the ascent, mm-hmm. which is the climb up the uh, up Mount Veruso, the first snow area that we've had in the game. Mm-hmm. Before we went on press tour, uh, any given area in, like any any given screen in that area had like one and a half million polygons. <laughs> yep, and that's it was a, that's a few, <laughs> and and the and the performance was really really bad. Oh as a wait, result. was that um, during the press tour? That was just before the press tour. By the time of the press tour, 
we had it down to about half of that, but yeah. I think there's still tons of optimization to be done in that mm -hmm. area. But like, um, when you guys are making those like tile sets or like models, obviously a lot of the stuff starts off as high poly. Mm -hmm. So you often think about when you're, when you're, for example, when you're creating a high poly model, I've seen you Severn working on like a fountain, for example. Mm -hmm. um, are you keeping in the back of your mind how you're going to make it low poly or what, what's... Of, of course. Um, I should give this, uh, the Ascent a little context. Mm -hmm. uh, Garth worked on it. Uh, Garth is um, one of the new environment guys. Yeah. He was hired to do some photogrammetry stuff at, at GGG. Yes. Um, so it was one of his first tile, well, his first complete tile set. Mm. Um, Which is like a big thing, huge. like being thrown straight into be like, make a whole tile set. Massive. I When I first joined, I wasn't that. It was like, yep. here, make these little changes these to props. some of these tile sets and you gradually get a better idea. Yeah. So, so Garth came in like that. Um, and he is not, he, he doesn't understand our engine and our pipeline sure. like Blake or myself. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been here a very small fraction of that time. Yeah, he, he's the kind of guy that worked with Unreal a whole bunch. Right. So you just throw whatever you can at it, and Unreal will sort it out. Yeah. Um, poly counts, you know, are minimal, and culling is a little better in other engines. Mm -hmm. uh, ours, not so much. And so uh, me and another artist actually helped Gareth do it a whole bunch of optimization yep. on that tile set. And um, at the end of it, I, I kind of messaged him and was like, uh, all right, if we were to do this tile set again, I would advise you to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. All right. Basically optimizing from the get-go. Right. Um, there was a bit of back and forth. Sure. And we're going to avoid it. Like that that was a problem. Um, and... Oh, the, specifically the performance of that area or, yeah. or, or how the methodology behind it? Yeah, well, the way I, I didn't know about that tile set. I, I, I had to talk to Eric about this as well. Um, I, I just wasn't aware of um, the way <laughs> this is. Um, I, I would like to talk about photogrammetry sure. used in the industry. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about doing a talk for this year's GDC, the NZ GDC. Awesome. I'm thinking about it. So <laughs> but, uh, but, for, but, for people but, who haven't heard much about this, photogrammetry is where uh, you take tons and tons and tons of photos of a real-world object mm -hmm. and then uh, from lots of different angles mm -hmm. and then a program uh, basically composites all of those photos and, and, and figures out the angles and whatnot and creates a high, very high-resolution uh, 3D model. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you, uh, an artist will have to go in and fix up any any sort of weird mistakes or, yep. or stuff. It, it's a great technology. Yeah, it means that you get like lifelike looking objects. Yep. For low effort, you have the best looking rocks. Yeah. Ever. Um, they're huge, huge rocks. <laughs> huge rocks. They've got the greatest rocks. Um, so this one company, uh, Quixel, is doing a whole bunch of assets like this, and they're releasing it in a package called Megascans. They're releasing it to the entire industry. Yeah. These rocks actually came from it. I'm sure I can talk about this. It's not. We did touch up these assets. Sure. Um, but you shouldn't. The, these assets are not optimized. They're, right. they're not great. They're, they're made for engines like Unreal. They're, me they're meant sure. for people to put them in an environment and show off that for maybe their own reel. Mm. They're not. I, I never would view them as final in game, especially for sure. our game mm. assets. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened with that tile set. 
Right. So it was, it was just uh, some inexperience or whatever. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, that, that's getting sorted. Yep. Uh, it's not really what, what the question is more. It's more about like, um, so you think about optimization is, is, uh, is on the forefront of what you're thinking about when you're, when you're uh, touching up a model or, or mm-hmm. creating something brand new. Sure. Interesting. Yeah, um, a whole bunch, and and uh, th- that's a lot of me <laughs> and what yeah. I do at Grindr. Yeah, yeah. I remember I came over <laughs> and I said something to you, which I was very offended. <laughs> yes, you were, and I it wasn't my intent to offend you. It was just a, an observation I was making because mm. you're okay. Let me preface this by saying Subverden is an amazing artist. Thanks, like his, Nick. His three D art is is really really great. Have you seen my three D art? Yeah, I've seen you working on stuff outside of Grindr. Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh, Tower Town. No, not oh, outside yeah. of my personal first video game. <laughs> well, then. Oh, you, 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 student reel. I remember. No, that. I actually have work. But, but no, carry I on. I haven't, I haven't seen anything outside keep, of like those two things. Keep going. Um, but like it was uh, obs- the observation I was making was, oftentimes we get these like high resolution scans of things. Mm. In 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 this case, it was like a statue you were working on, mm. and I was like. Hey, Severin, it's funny that like your job is amazingly making things look worse for our game. <laughs> yeah. My the the point being like you're going from high resolution photo realistic whatever mm. to something that won't drop performance in our game basically. Mm. Something that is good and like looks good but isn't did you, it's did, not photorealistic anymore. It's did you just, instant as soon as that sentence left your mouth, did you instantly <laughs> think, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that?" Ah. Uh, I did when I saw Severn's reaction. It was just like, <laughs> Nick, you son of a bitch. But, but also, I think that's just Nick not understanding the, the tools and the process. Uh, yeah, this is true. I, I, don't, I don't know the, the work, the, pipe, uh, the, the art pipeline very well. Mm. But um, I, I do understand that like, um, a lot of work goes into making something that even, even a, something from photogrammetry will have significant flaws just because... Uh, you know, there there are bumps or whatever, and the photo doesn't capture the surface underneath or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, there's like there's just weird stuff, and Severn has to go through and make fix up tons and tons and tons of flaws uh, before he starts scaling it down to something that that will work in our game, mm-hmm. and also to fit the style of the game. Um, that was something I also hadn't really thought very much about was that like it our game doesn't look photorealistic, and it can't look photorealistic. And objects that do look photorealistic in our game stick out as bad. Okay. Well, it's like, you know, they don't have the same color palette as the actual game does, you know? Or uh, the surface texture doesn't fit the aesthetic of the area or whatever. Sure, okay. Um, And so you you make sure... There there would be some, like, uh, you know, I mean, that, um, you know, changing, adjusting textures to fit you know, the environment that they're in that they may not have been in when the pictures were taken. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. But we can control that. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what Nick's saying. That's what I'm that. saying. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, Is that, like, you don't want to just put something from photogrammetry straight in the game, even if you could just scale it down immediately because it may it may not suit the area. Mm-hmm. I... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk a whole bunch about this when I when I do if I do that. Dude, talk. you should. I'm looking. I'm forward excited. To it. Right. Yeah, I I like know of it and and loosely know the thing, but like you know it, you know photogrammetry really well, and I'm I'm excited to hear about Thanks, it. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, well, well, I'm considering. It's what you do. Like <laughs> it's it's yeah. Yes. Um, it's also becoming like sort of the industry stand industry standard. Like, well, yeah, it's the reason why Battlefront looks so good. Resident <laughs> Evil Seven as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, the upcoming 
Kojima game, uh, Death Stranding, mm-hmm. which, by the way, just looks <sighs> very strange. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. Kojima's new thing? Yeah, yeah. Wait, has more anything else been shown of that, or was it just that one trailer? There's, there's been a couple trailers, maybe, maybe two or three. I've only seen two. two. Okay, the, with the weird... We, there was a the first one was, in it, right? First one was babies and yeah. USB stick necklaces and right. and dead whales on the on the beach. The yeah. second one was like um uh, organs on tanks, airplanes, double oh, rainbow. Skeleton, skeleton soldiers, um Guillermo del Toro in the sewers. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, seen this. Michael Medicine or whatever his name is. I've forgotten his name how to how to pronounce his name. He's the the Dutch dude. He was in um Doctor Strange, he was like the bad guy in Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's in it. He's just in it. Um, okay. Guillermo del Toro is in it for no reason other than because I guess Kojima's like, "Hey, do you want to be in it?" And he's like, "Sure." Man. Not, other than that, it's just being. Like, he's just a face. Isn't it's just that... it's, it's just real weird stuff. Yeah, he's just let off the chain. He's just just here's a bunch of money. Do do it. Yeah. Just do whatever. Yeah. Everything you touch is gold. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Anyway, we're probably out of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we we should we've got more questions to answer, but uh, we'll, we'll I'm sure there'll be other times to answer them for sure. Um, but thank you to uh, Vivian for that, that that question got us started about talking about that. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, you can you can email us and stuff frenziequestions at gmail.com and, and tweet at us at frenziecast etc cetera, etc. Cetera. We love hearing from you guys. You should rate us on iTunes if you like it. If you don't like it, eh, whatever. Rate us on iTunes anyway. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Cool. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's 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 pump up these jams. That's all it was.